good evening, good morning, good day, good night, wherever you are in the world listening to the show. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. I am Nick Splitter, once again joined by our new co-host in this show this season, Ryan Lepore-Lepper. It was another horrific week for us both. Oh, mate, it, it certainly was. It's um, We can only go up. That's what I said to Hum after week one. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a brutal week again. Um, but, you know, as we say, we, we've got to hopefully bounce back this week and uh, I think we can, although we're, we're, um, we're not as decided on um, as many bets this week, but we'll see how that goes. No, it looks like we've got a few head-to-heads this week, which is interesting. We, we haven't really had too many in the first couple of weeks of the season, that, so that'll be interesting to watch. But look, it, it's been tough, I think, for, for most punters trying to get um, a, a bit of a run. I think started the season pretty well. The first game of the, of the, the season was good for me, and then nothing ever since and uh, i think a lot of a lot of punters are in the same boat it's just been been very hard to pick and we know week one is generally hard to pick anyway but week two is kind of followed on from that directly and, and we'll get cracky on onto week three pretty quickly but before we get too far into that if you like the show please give us a rating and a review on itunes on facebook wherever you listen wherever you engage with us uh tweet us comment engage you know wherever wherever you are as much as possible we love doing the show um but we do it because we get to chat football and, and you know, between ourselves, but with you guys as well. Um, so please let you, let us know what you think about the show every week, if, if there's bets that you like, if there's plays that you don't like. General football chat, just, um, you know, give us your thoughts and opinions and, and tell us how you're, you're feeling about stuff. Ask us questions. If there's anything you want to see or hear from us each week, let us know. But Leopard, this week, some talking points. The big one for me, mate, was the injuries. And, and we saw last year there was a, a, a two or three-week period um, uh, I think it must have been about week five or week six of last year when um, a host of big names went down with injuries that came thick and fast. And we started to see that again last week. We've got some some real big names going down and hopefully not missing too much time. But, you know, TJ Watt, Carson Wentz, Tyrod Taylor, Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks from the Eagles, my boys, Daryl Henderson, Bradley Chubb, obviously went down again. Tua um, is going to miss this week, it looks like. But, you know, some of them will play this week, some of them won't. Uh, a few of them out for for big periods of, of time this season. It looks like but, uh, injuries, mate. Is is this an issue in the NFL at the moment? Oh, the, absolutely. I mean, um, we saw some horrific injuries in the preseason as well. Um, more no, um, none more notably than the Baltimore Ravens just got mm. absolutely um, capitulated by injuries um, in the running back stocks, and then they lost Marcus Peters as well. But I mean. It's it's been a trend over the last few years. Some some really star players as well missing big chunks of time. We obviously saw Saquon last year back, C Mac just to name a few. That's why the list for uh, Joe Burrow. I mean the the list for comeback player of the year this year was just insane. And it mm. it, it always looks um, there's always some so many stars on that list um, because of the injuries the year previous. I mean um, yeah, I mean you saw my thunder a bit with that. It was one of the key talking points for me was was the injuries and um yeah it's it's a trend where we're seeing more and more in the nfl probably across all sports as well but um you, you have to wonder you have to wonder and i know that like you said there is a bit of a trend and, and it has been going that way for a number of years but it feels like the last 18 months has been worse oh, than sure. ever yeah. and by quite a by quite a distance and you have to wonder if you know, interrupted preparation and and all that sort of stuff with COVID restrictions and all that sort of stuff is having an impact on you know the sports science and the the preparations, the training, all that so, sort of stuff because it it just feels like you know, it's not just the quality of players that are going down, but the number of them as well. And it's 
feels like that that's just exploded in the last you know twelve to eighteen months, which is is a shame for the league because you know as fans, doesn't matter what team you are, you want to see the best players out there each week, which is hundred uh, percent is is tough. But what else have you got for us this week, mate? Yeah, the other key talking points for me was just some so many unbelievable games last week. I mean, so many went right down to the wire. Um, a number you know decided by a point or um, around that mar- um, that three-point margin. So it was um, none more exciting, though, than the Sunday night football matchup between the Chiefs and the Ravens, two amazing teams, um, two unbelievable quarterbacks, two recent MVPs. Um, Lamar Jackson finally got his first win over Pat Mahomes in incredible circumstances. Um, But it was an amazing comeback. Um, It certainly hurt um, from my point of view, Um, hurt the back back pocket. But, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable game, and we saw – so many close finishes, and, and I think it's going to be, you know, it's always a theme in the NFL, some, so many great finishes, but that was on prime time, and um, it was, yeah, it was fantastic to watch. I mean, if nothing else, I know it's it's tough it's tough punting at times, but if nothing else, we've seen some great finishes, we've seen some upsets, seen some closer games and potentially we thought we would, and it makes for great viewing, um, not so much for great punting as, as we know and, and as you guys know listening, but... You know, some great football has been played already in the first couple of weeks, and it it, it bodes really well for the rest of the season. But um, yeah, I guess the, the the last thing for me is the uh, the Panthers and the Raiders are they legit? And and we've got a, a question from Patrick Hogan as well, and and he's kind of asked which team started the season has surprised the most. And and for me, I think you know the Panthers the Panthers are, are that team for me in, in a positive way. Um, yeah, defensively they're they're really impressive. Offensively, they're still putting things together with a new a new QB. But yeah, they've got so much talent um, and, and they're dynamic on, on almost every line. And and I think that the Panthers are, are legit. The Raiders not so much. And and I think we'll talk about them a, a little bit later on. But mate, how are you feeling about the uh, the two and zip Panthers and the two and zip Raiders? Do you see that coming? Yeah, look, to answer Patrick's question firstly was yeah that for me the Raiders actually have been the the surprise. Um, um, Obviously, their 2-0 start has surprised many, beating the Ravens and then the Steelers, two obviously quality um, teams in the AFC North. So, I mean, Derek Carr's looked incredible as well. Um, they haven't really had much help from their running game. Obviously, Josh Jacobs missed last week as well. Um, Max Crosby's continuing his um, meteoric rise, and he's come up big on the defense, and that secondary is holding up pretty well as well. So it, it'll be a really nice test to see where they're at this week, and I, I still think they remain undefeated um, as a little precursor to that game. But out of the other two I know teams that you mentioned there, uh, Denver, uh, um, well, Denver will favor to win both their games, and they tend to start seasons pretty well usually. And the Panthers that you mentioned, um, I rated them in the preseason. I said that they'd be around that 500 team and pushing for for that wild card spot, but uh, if they go three zero with a win tomorrow morning um, on our time of record, uh, it puts them right in the hunt. Absolutely, I mean, couldn't ask for a better start. And and the fact that they really owned the Saints last week um, shows that they're they're going to be a pretty decent team and and a hard team to beat at home at that. So, yeah, I think the Panthers are almost legit, but I'm actually almost sold on the Raiders as well. Yeah, interesting. I'm. I'm not so sold on the Raiders, and and like so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I think that there's there's still some holes in in that franchise on a number of levels, and um, I know that they've beaten some some decent teams so far, and and you know I think Derek Carr, you mentioned, has has been lights out. I mean, let's be honest, he's been great, but he's got this he's got a habit of putting up two or three great weeks in a row, and then he stinks it for for four or five, and you know they lose games that they quite easily should win based on ones that they've won previously. So I'm I'm keen to see. You know, another month of this kind of football from the Raiders before I'm, 
I'm uh, happy to say they're legit. I did the same thing with the Browns last year, and they'd have some they'd have some big wins. They beat the Chiefs, and then they they'd lose games that they should win. And I just wasn't happy with the the Browns to call them legit until pretty much until the last week of the season. But uh, the Panthers, you know, they're, they're incredible to watch on the defensive side, um, putting a, a decent stack of talent together on the offensive side as well. And I think the, the one that I didn't mention before was Washington in terms of um, a surprise in a, in a disappointing way. You know, I was expecting them to be right up there to, to start the season in, in terms of the ferocity and, um, the, you know, the athleticism on defense. And and they just haven't they haven't hit the level that I, I thought they would. Is, is there how, – how are you feeling about Washington? I know you, you're on record as saying that Washington <laughs> are, uh, you know, if you were to have a team, they would be it. But uh, – how are you feeling about yeah. the, uh, the football team? Well, that's a that's a little bit of a no, throw under the bus, but I'll explain what that means to the listeners <laughs> a little bit. I actually don't have an NFL team that I follow religiously, like our man Nick with the Eagles. Um, never really, I've never been to an NFL game for one. We went when I went to the states; it was the off season, unfortunately. Uh, so in summer, so if you can get to go to a game live, that would have certainly probably swayed my decision. Um, I've followed kind of RG three a little bit through the his last season in college and um, and followed him into the NFL. So if I had to pick a team, I'd have to stick with Washington. Uh, and I know Rowdy, you'd be happy with that for me to actually finally say that I pick a team, but I, I'm really undecided. I don't care as long as the games are good as we know. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think, as you said, Washington haven't has come as, um, as advertised this year on defense um, and that's what's been letting them down. So I think um, they're still in the hunt, obviously in a pretty weak division, um, well, one of the weaker divisions. So, you know, one on one, they're still well and truly in it, but um, yeah, need to see a lot more from their from their defense and and with can Taylor Heineke obviously continue um, to lead that offense. I mean, he's got some pretty good young weapons around him, but um, yeah, I think that defense is going to need to step up to where it was at the second half of last year to really be a contender again in the NFC East, where I predicted them to to win it. So. Uh, yeah, unsure what to think of Washington. They've got a huge game this week against the Bills. That will probably tell us a bit more. Yeah, agree. All, all fair points, and, and I think uh, you're, you're spot on there. We've got a couple of questions from Matt Zemek, as as always, um, and thanks again, Matt, for for jumping on Twitter and, and shooting through some questions. But um, the first one's on the on the Niners, and should they be encouraged that they are two and zip, unlike Seattle, or worried that their O line or worried their O line running backs and secondary won't hold up through the season? I guess I'm I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here. Um, I think that there's both reason for encouragement and concern. They should be pleased with where they're at and starting two and zip is certainly nothing to sneeze at. But I think that they do have to be concerned at the, at the type of injuries that they're that they're seeing again. Um, we mentioned it at the top, you know, the Niners are copying the Bay Area. They've copped it for the last 18 months. Um, and you have to wonder, is there something not right in their sports science department? Um, a lot of it's bad luck. We know with, with some of these contact injuries and, and whatever, but at some point you need to, to look at your at your franchise and try and work out what's going on inside and, and get under the hood. You know, this is a, a recurring issue with the 49ers and, and I think something needs to change from a preparation standpoint for them to get back to that, you know, Super Bowl, Super Bowl contention type football that, that we know that they can play under um, Shanahan. What about you, mate? Yeah, it's a good point you make, Nick. And, and they certainly seem to be the injury um, hit, most injury hit team over the last season and a bit. And since their Super Bowl run of, of 19, they've just been decimated. And, um, but yeah, I'm not sure what to think of the Niners yet. Obviously, 2-0 is a good start. They've only beaten the two teams that were probably favoured to beat and um, had a combined wins um, total of eight last season. So uh, certainly nothing to write home yet about the Niners and, and the fashion they've done it. But 
This week's the big acid test. Packers on Sunday night football. So that'll tell us a lot. Um, but obviously, they're doing what they need to to keep pace with a hot NFC West. So um, the fact they haven't dropped one yet is, is a good sign. And they were um, one of my wildcard teams. So I hope they can continue on. However, I don't I don't see them kind of, yeah, hopefully... For our sake, not challenging the Rams for that for that division crown, but I still think they're a pretty pretty solid outfit. But uh, yeah, the big test is this week, as uh, as I said, hundred percent. And the other question from Matt, along similar lines, should the Colts be encouraged that they gave the Rams that close a game with Carson Wentz, or enraged that they stumbled in the red zone? And again, I guess I'm a little bit on the fence here. Again, Matt, probably both. I I, I really do understand that frustration with. Uh, with Carson Wentz, I, I really do. You know, after the last few years, I, I, I get it. Um, but I think that if you're a Colts fan, and and you know, we might have to hit up um, Josh Y over the next couple of days and see what he says, as uh, probably the biggest Colts fan that I know. But I think if you're a Colts fan, you need to stick with your team. And there's there's so much talent on both offense and defense, and and they're going to get T. Y. Hilton back at, at some stage. But defensively, in particular, that they're not going to be an easy beat any week this season. And, Carson Wentz has the talent to get them over that hump. They've, you know, we know you mentioned last week, Lepper, about the, the. I think it was five seasons in a row they've started with a, a new quarterback in week one, um, which is a, yep. a phenomenal stat. And and Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that they've had in Indianapolis since Andrew Luck. But oh. that's that's assuming that he gets back to MVP caliber Carson Wentz. And that's yeah, it's a very big if. That's if, if everything if everything comes together for him. So, firstly, you got to you got him to stay fit and healthy, and and that's a big enough question itself. Um, but secondly, you know, can Frank Reich rebuild MVP Carson? I, I think he can, but it's a very big question mark. But I think if you're a Colts fan, you've got to be encouraged by their start so far. Um, but there's there's a lot more Im- improvement to come. Firstly, Nick Philip Rivers says hello. You know he'll probably go to the Hall of Fame, but anyway, not at the time that he was in Indy, though. No, that, that's that true. wasn't I mean, Hall of Fame. That was Rivers. the uh, yeah, fair that was call, Grandpa fair Phil. <laughs> Grandpa Phil. Yeah, look, um, my take on it is that they really should be annoyed, Colts fans, and I'd love to know what our man Josh White thinks of it. But yeah, they had, they had big chances to win that game against the Rams, um, and at least if not, build an early lead against them. And and we know anything can happen in that situation. So. They seem to move the ball really easily between each red zone, and they just stumbled as they, as um, Matt mentioned in the red zone. So, I think that's the concern. Uh, it's a long way back from 0 and 3, which is where I think they will be this week um, after going into Tennessee. So, yeah, it's danger time for Carson Wentz and the Colts, uh, and they're on the road for the next two weeks after this against the Dolphins and the and the Ravens. So, two tough games on the road to come after this. So, yeah, on three. Um, doesn't mean your season's completely over, but the percentage starts to shrink in, in making the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of do-or-die time now for, for the Colts and, and with Carson Wentz again already carrying some injury. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But um, hopefully, for your sake and your love of the man, he gets, gets going. But maybe just wait till week four because I'm, I'm big on the Titans this week. So, <laughs> anyway. It's, it's always a big matchup, isn't it? The, uh, the Colts yeah. and the Titans. But, um, look, we'll, we'll move towards uh, week three now. And, and as we said at the top of the show, it was an absolute murder by the books last week. Again, the wallet's really struggling. We are a combined one and eight on our weekly best. But we're three or four from our player props. So, that's a start. And, and hoping that we can uh, start to get into a bit of a, a groove with our, uh, our, our game bets and, and match bets. So, we'll keep toiling away, try and find some value in uh, – it will turn. It will turn. We know that. 
that's the the nature of gambling is that you win some and you lose some. But uh, we hope that it's this week and and we don't have to wait too much longer. But um, again, for for all listeners, this week we're recording on a Thursday night Melbourne time on the east coast of Australia. So player props um, are, are not readily available with the uh, the Australian books. So most of our props are taken from Vegas lines, um, obviously subject to change over the course of the weekend whenever you listen to the show. Um, but we do know that the the Aussie books um, ultimately take the, their props and lines from Vegas anyway. So let's uh, let's kick off with, uh, with week three. Thursday night football, we've got Carolina at Houston. The line is Houston plus seven and a half. The total is 43 and a half. All aboard the Panthers train, like we said at the top. Uh, really like the way that they're they're building things in Carolina for the first time since DVOA was created by Football Outsiders. The Carolina Panthers sit at number one in total DVOA. The 1996 NFC West champion Panthers peaked at number two overall, while the 2015 NFC champion Panthers obviously went very close to winning a Super Bowl, only made it to number three overall on DVO charts. DVOA charts. Um, this Panthers defense is running right, a, a staggering 15 percentage points better off than the next best Buffalo Bills, which is great to see from the Bills, but um, you know they're a long way, a long way behind the efficiency of the Carolina defense at the moment. I know we're only two weeks in, but they are incredibly efficient. Um, and with a rookie quarterback on an already decimated franchise in Houston, I just can't see the Texans getting anywhere near the Panthers this week. You look at the... the uh, the defense in Carolina, you've got Brian Burns, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Jeremy Chin in his second year, Hassan Reddick, JC Horn, the rookie. There are playmakers on every line of this playmakers defense, and it's important to note they aren't just number one overall on DVOA, but they're number one on DVOA defense as well, and number one on both run defense and pass defense. And another important thing to note is that Houston are ranked second last in rush defense efficiency, and we know who they're up against on the ground this week in uh, the superstar C-Max. So check for his props um, a bit closer to the kickoff um, Friday morning Australian time. But, uh, I'm on the I'm on the Panthers um, minus seven and a half, mate. How are you feeling? They were great last week, especially on defense, and um, for all the reasons that you mentioned there. And I think they go on with it and, and get to three and zero for the first time since their NFC Championship winning season of twenty fifteen. And they had an MVP that year, and he's still looking for a job at the moment. So <laughs> it'd be interesting to see how those sliding doors uh, happen. But uh, yeah, Alvin Kamara was held to just thirty scrimmage yards last last week as well, which says says a lot about that Panthers defense. But uh, yeah, Sam Donald as well. Looks fantastic, and and to add that RPO option available to him uh, looks to really suit him. And, and with a nice security blanket of C Mac, um, who's obviously started the season really strongly as well. But yeah, like I said, uh, that, I thought they had a sneaky chance last week. I just wasn't um, um, ballsy enough to uh, to pick the Panthers. I thought the the Pan- um, the Saints would kind of come crashing a bit from that um, that weird game in Week One where they just destroyed the the Packers, and it just felt felt like an outlier but uh yeah it was they had a bit of an interruption as well with with a lot of coaches um on the COVID list and not being able to attend the game so interesting to know if that played any part but yeah the Texans were really brave last week um against the Browns they were really balling in the first half with Tyrod Taylor they were they were really moving the ball with ease and and they were right in the game and and level at half time just as um Tyrod Taylor went down but uh yeah they're gonna have to go into a, a prime time match now with a rookie quarterback and um you know, while another one of the best best remains inactive. So uh, the Panthers win this, but it's not a line I'm really um, wanting to get involved in. I can easily see 
the Texans scoring some junk time touchdowns or something or something weird happening on a Thursday night just to to ruin everything again. But I, I was tempted to take the overs as well. Um, but I think there's just too many question marks around Davis Mills and, and where the Texans will get their points from against that defense. Mm. So, yeah, it's a stay out for me, but can't begrudge you playing the Panthers or the Opas here. But there are a few player props in this one that, in this game that I like, including my best, which we'll go through a bit later. But um, I still think um, one that's really tempting to me is, is Mark Ingram uh, at the moment. You can get over nine and a half rushing attempts, and I think they're just going to lean on him, especially mm. in the early down situations, to kind of help Davis Mills in those um, and get him some short short yardage plays. But, yeah, I think Mark Ingram will, will get um, at least 20 touches, and he's averaged um, – just under that already this year. So the fact that his line's only at nine and a half is, is quite tempting to me. So that's one, but it's it. And, and the fact that he's um, his line is only 35 and a half yards. So if he, he rushes at least 15, 20 times, like I expect him to, uh, he's only needing three or four yards per carry to get that. So uh, comfortably. So I think that's a nice play. And then you can get even over 50 yards at $3. So a few player props okay. there to look out for. Yeah, like it. I, I like the attempts. I'm I'm just not sure against the the rushing line against that Panthers D. But you know, I'm I certainly see where you're coming from. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple of um, little plays on on that as well. I, I like um, Christian McCaffrey over eighty six and a half rushing yards, dollar eighty eight, kind of even money. Um, I think he's he's obviously their their go to their go to weapon on on offense. Um, you can get him for first touchdown three dollars seventy five, which I don't mind. Um, should probably be rated around the 250 260 mark based on his usage in that offense. Yeah. Um, but also like Sam Darnold, anytime touchdown uh, on the ground as well, which you can get for 750. I think they're just just against that that Houston rush defense, which is horrific. I think that they're going to run the ball a lot and you know potentially going to have some some goal line looks where where Darnold just tries that QB sneak and you know that that one yard or or you know. Um, Goal and inches and, and that sort of stuff where where he just goes on his own and uh, seven fifty I think is a bit tasty and, and uh, might have a little play at that. Smithies, are they booing me? Nah, no, they're saying boo urns, boo urns. Are you saying boo or boo urns? Boo! Uh, Brian Burns, I mentioned before, we all know how much I, I like TJ Watt for Defensive Player of the Year, but Brian Burns is very much in that conversation after two weeks and you can still get him at at over 30s for defensive player of the year which i think is is tasty and i think i might have a little play at that in terms of a futures market um over the course of the season because even if there's a, a cash out opportunity later on in the year um I, I think he comes in based on his current form he probably comes in um see what happens in a couple of weeks but uh, a little play there because he is uh in season best form already in in uh, week two so um the show favorite, so get on him. Absolutely, get on, get on, old mate Brian <laughs> Burns. But uh, anything else for for this one, mate? Um, the only other one I thought would, was kind of tempting, and you kind of touched on it. I think C Mac's going to get plenty of usage, uh, especially if they got big. Um, you know, if they got a decent lead in that second half, he's going to just keep getting fed with some rushing um, attempts. So his his attempts actually is only at nineteen and a half, and he's already gone over that um, in both games this year. So he's already been used in an average of I think it's twenty two or twenty three times um, per per game, and and um, he'll get fed a lot more, especially if they're up and they can just work that clock in the second half. So. Um, yeah, I like him to to knock over the rushing line. I like him to get the attempts and and probably the receiving as well. So you can you can really have a big play around him. I think tomorrow um, and be 
be um, pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, like it. And there was there was one other one that if you do like the uh, the Panthers defense, then Brandon Cooks under seventy and a half receiving yards. He uh, hit seventy eight last week from nine receptions, and half of that came from uh, from Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think five of those receptions were from Tyrod, and uh, I think it was fifty or fifty five of those seventy eight yards from those five passes. So um, it's a big chance that even as the number one. Uh, receiver in Houston that he potentially goes under that if you do like the the Panthers defense to uh, to hit their straps again this week but uh, next game Arizona at Jacksonville Jacksonville plus seven and a half the total is 52 and I've got to take my lumps here I got it wrong last week in the in the cards Vikes game I think the the Vikings improved vastly from week one rather than the cards potentially playing terribly I think their defense did regress a little bit from week one but the offense is still firing the scoreline could have been worse for the Vikings if not for a couple of errant underthrown interceptions from Kyler Murray uh, one of which obviously returned for pick six by Nick Vigil um, I do think the Jags get better this season but I am going back to the well on the Cardinals I just think that, that they've got too many weapons and I'm not sure that the the Jags have it have anywhere near as much to uh, to worry the Cardinals on either side of the ball. And I think that they've got a point to prove on defense after they only recorded one sack last week. They let Kirk Cousins put up three touchdowns on them. And, and I think that this could be a bounce back game for the, the Cardinals defense. And um, this ain't the week for Jacksonville and it could get ugly. So I'm the, I'm the cards line minus seven and a half and it's a bit bigger line than I would have liked, but I'm, I'm happy to play it here. How about you, mate? Yeah, agreed, mate. Um, we both loved the cards at the minus last week and, Right from the first snap, though, you could almost tell it was going to be one of those those games mm. that just went down to the wire, unfortunately. So it seems a bit silly, but the Vikings um, certainly looked a lot sharper. And if, if not for a missed field goal at the end, obviously would have made that big statement with an upset win. But They're one of those insane. teams, aren't they, the Vikes? Yeah. Look, it, that the fact that they lost the game didn't help us because um, we were on the uh, the cover. But, uh, yeah, as you said, the Cardinals' defense was certainly contained. It was a, They've got a pretty decent offensive line, though, the Vikings. So I think the Cardinals will have a bit better day against the Jags uh, D. So I think they can get after uh, the Jags offensive line. I think the, the Cards D can get after Trevor Lawrence. And while I don't think they're going to get anywhere near the seven sacks they did against uh, the Titans, uh, I think they'll, they'll end for a bigger day. Um, the promising sign for Arizona was that explosive offense continued on their merry way. Kyler Murray's again found ways to make plays where there was none. <clears throat> excuse me, 400 yards and three touchdowns on the day. And despite it being only very early signs, he looks certainly to be that MVP, MVP caliber level at the mm-hmm. moment, which um, he will need to be if they want to compete in that wild NFC West. So, yeah, the Jags could be in for a long day. And I think that line of um, minus seven and a half is quite appealing and thought uh, it'd be actually closer to double figures. So, yeah, very happy to play the line at minus seven and a half. That $20 plus uh, MVP odds that you played for uh, Kyler Murray is certainly looking good after two weeks. And hopefully that continues because he's just so good to watch. And uh, yeah, Cardinals Cardinals football is almost much must-watch TV uh, at this point of the season. So oh, yeah. um, great to watch. But uh, next game, Indy at Tennessee. Huge grudge match as always. Tennessee minus five and a half. Total is 48 and a half. What have you got for us? Yeah, I know you were against the Titans last week and I wasn't as quick to write them off. I just wish I had some balls to actually stick my neck out and, and take them <laughs> at the plus at the very least last week. But it didn't look good early. They did fight back from their uh, 14-point deficit in that final quarter, which was their biggest regular season comeback since 2006. 
they did have a, a bigger comeback in the playoffs um, in 2017 against the Chiefs when they were down 21-3 at halftime and, and won that wild card game. But, yeah, it was, it was a really off the back of King Henry who rushed for 182 yards, including that huge 60-yarder right, um, right after the Seahawks went up by 14. Three touchdowns and had a career-high six catches. So it was just a, a monster day for Derrick Henry. Uh, he'll, he'll probably look to have another field day against the Colts defense. Um, doesn't rank too bad in the rush rushing, but from the bits I watched uh, and watched um, closely, Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle were running the ball with ease and they'd, they'd get up, they'd get large chunks with ease. Like they would just run it three, four times in a row and, and, and let the, the uh, wide receivers kind of have a breather and, and do the, the really the, the grunt stuff. And, um, I, I, if that's if that Colts defense turns up, Derrick Henry is going to have a huge day. Uh, if Carson Wentz can't go, uh, I think he's going to play at this stage. But I really think it's a clear bet for me if he doesn't for, for one. But I, I don't know if he's. I'm kind of gambling on the fact that Wentz sits this one out. He has a sprain in both ankles. They won't want to risk him. Um, they know he's very injury prone and 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 coming off um, a foot injury in in the preseason, even where which put him on doubt for week one. Um, if Jacob Eason's under centre, even with that O line, I feel like it's going to be a tough day for him on the road. So yeah, I really like the Titans at the minus five and a half. Yeah, look, all all very valid points, and and I think anyone who's listened to this show over the last, I guess, two or three years knows how much I love Tennessee and and what they've built and and how they've. You kind of rebuilt that franchise over the last two or three seasons, and likewise, how much I've, I've loved um, you know the front office in in Indy and, and what they've done over the, probably the last four or five or six years, even uh, in terms of rebuilding that franchise. And I think they're both you know quality franchises. I think that they've both done some really good things. But I am not touching this one with a ten foot pole. Um, really interesting watch, uh, and uh, thanks for reminding about King Henry, who I played in in uh, fantasy this week and. He uh, he tuned me. He tuned me. He put up fifty six <laughs> points on me in in my uh, my custom league, and I lost by fifteen, which was absolutely brutal. But uh, yeah, don't want to don't want to think about that one too often. But uh, Baltimore at Detroit, Detroit plus nine and a half. The total is fifty and a half. It's a big line for a Detroit game. But uh, Detroit have the worst defense in the league according to Football Outsiders DVOA. They're ranked last in rush defense and second last in pass defense. But this does feel like a bit of a trap game with the Ravens coming off that OT win against Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm really considering taking the Lions at, at the plus. Um, I think if that point, that half a point hangs around, um, and yeah, I'll probably keep watching the markets over the next couple of days, but um, if it comes into a flat nine or, or less, then it's a, a definite no play. But if it if it hangs around that nine and a half or, or more, then uh, I think the Lions is the play here. Um, I don't think I've taken a, an outsider line so far in the first couple of weeks, and it, it maybe has come back to bite me, but uh, this might be the one for me, and, and uh, I'm on the Lions this week. Yeah, for me, it's the less said about it, the better. For me, the Lions <laughs> were, were pitiful in that second half against the Packers. Uh, so they showed a bit of promise in that in that opening half. They moved the ball with, with ease, and then it just capitulated there. From then on, getting outscored 21 to zip in that second half. Uh, obviously, the Ravens coming off that win we talked about off the top. Uh, just an amazing, incredible comeback win by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens down double digits to the Chiefs in the last quarter. Uh, I know there was a lot of conjecture about that last play and going for it on fourth down deep in their own territory. And, of course, in hindsight, uh, it was proven to be the right right decision. But um, I think in that situation with that quarterback and uh, giving, it, giving the ball back to the offense, it's just a no-brainer to go for it 
um, regardless of how it turned out. But it obviously worked out in the Ravens' favour, unfortunately for us. But uh, it was it was a great win by the Ravens. Got their season kind of not back on track because it wasn't derailed yet. But I think they um, they win um, by how much is is the question. So it's not a game I want to get involved in. So no play for me. But um, hopefully the Lions can do a bit like they did against the Niners. Go down heaps it. Go down a lot early and then just come home with some junk touchdown, some junk time touchdowns for you to to cover. Yeah, well, good good point on that um, that fourth down. Uh, I mean, I, I think what was great was John Harbour asking asking Lamar, "What do you want to do?" and and kind of giving him the option. I mean, so often we see, you know, fourth down in in that in that situation, and they just go punt. We're just going to punt. That's it's just a given. Matt, Matt Lafleur would have hundred <laughs> percent. He would have. Um, but you know it was great, and you know trust your guy, trust your guy, yeah, especially absolutely. when he's you know he's an MVP. You trust your guy, you trust your quarterback, and and Lamar, you know, like you said, full credit to Lamar Jackson. Said, let's go, let's let's do this, and they just went and they did it, and uh, full credit to them. Like you said, it was it was great to watch, and um, I just I love that that relationship. I wish more coaches um, kind of trusted their trusted their guys, trusted their offense, and trusted their QB to to make the call and and make the play and. Uh, it was great to see as much as it, uh, you know, didn't, yeah, didn't work it was, for it was us. Awesome. It was awesome just the fact that, you know, once you saw the replay, you could lip-read John Arbor so clearly, you know. Yeah. You want to go for it. Do you want to go for it? And, he, <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty quick answer from, uh, exactly. from all reports. So, yeah, no, nah, I, I think there was it was an absolute no-brainer. I don't think you give the ball back to, to Kansas City in that situation at all, regardless, Absolutely. you know, um, with that short down uh, yardage situation. Exactly right. You can imagine Pat Mahomes just marching up the field in you know sixty seconds and game over. But uh, absolutely. Anyway, we we move on. But uh, Washington at Buffalo. Buffalo minus eight and a half. The total is forty six and a half. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, it was good to see the Bills get back on track last week. Uh, Josh Allen's dominance over Miami continued, uh, as we predicted. And it was one thing we probably should have gone with that for the lock. We would have been mm. home and hose comfortably. It was 35-0, the scoreline in the end. It was a really strange case that Miami's defense actually didn't play that that badly. They actually did pretty well. They they turned the ball over um, off the Bills, but it was just the Bills' D that, that dominated. Six sacks, three turnovers. Uh, obviously, the, the injury to Tua down early didn't help the, the Dolphins' rhythm, but... Yeah, the Bills were pretty dominant and, and and pleasing for them to 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 get back on track with that um, that loss in week one. But the pleasing, the other pleasing thing from the Bills and in my perspective was getting some good snaps into both running backs. They they both combined well, they can they combined for over hundred yards together, three touchdowns. Uh, it's been the one week link in, in Buffalo for the last couple of years. So if that can keep improving, they're certainly going to be the team to challenge. I think in the AFC once again. And, um, yeah, it's just a matter of getting getting that continuity right with that running game. I mean, it's a high line, uh, that eight and a half against a playoff team from last year. But uh, as we said off the top, Washington certainly haven't um, began the season as we predicted, especially on defense. And it was a pretty gutsy win, though, last week. And, and But you can't – not one you could probably be confident in going forward uh, with the form that they've shown in the first two games. So, yeah, I know we're both a bit on the fence about whether or not to play Buffalo here, but it's a stay out for me at Nick um, – Stay out from me, Nick, at this stage, mate. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, similar. I mean, in terms of a number of hard luck calls that we've copped already in, in the first couple of weeks, one of them's probably not picking Buffalo as the lock and and putting in our yeah. best last week. But uh, yeah. 
Uh, look, this it's a really interesting matchup. Like we said earlier, the Washington defense has simply not been as advertised to start the season. They've given up 49 points through two games. They got 29 to, to Daniel Jones and the Giants of all teams last week. And the Bills shut out and put up 35 points on the Dolphins in Miami, which... Uh, you know, I don't think that, that we saw with that Miami defense. Um, but I'm I'm leaning towards the Bills and the Overs, but it's it's a wait and watch for me right now. I just don't know whether to trust Washington form lines on defense. And with that backup quarterback that, that you mentioned earlier in, in Taylor Heineke, we just don't have a heap of data on offense either. I, I do think that Washington come good defensively, but I'm not sure this is the week. Um, but I just, I'm not willing to, uh, to barter on anything in this one. So it's a no play from me too. Um, New Orleans at New England, New England minus three, which is interesting. The total is 43 and a half. We were all abuzz with New Orleans and Jameis Winston after week one and that shellacking of Green Bay that that you mentioned earlier. And then they went and put up that performance in week two. And that was uh, interesting to say the least. So I do think that they're better than that, but I'm definitely not trusting them to rebound at Foxborough. Um, I don't think we learned too much about the Pats either last week, other than they still know how to bully teams devoid of talent with a rookie quarterback, uh, four sacks, four interceptions of, of Zach Wilson. Um, a Sean Payton-led franchise is certainly a very different proposition this week. And I mean, if if that line moves to three and a half, it's a maybe on the Saints line. And, and obviously anything more than that is is probably a play, but at the flat three, it's a no play for me. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm not too sure week two told us too much about these two teams. Look, it probably said more about the, the Saints, and uh, despite that blowout of the Packers, I don't think they convinced anyone that that would be a sustained level. Uh, they caught Green Bay snoozing and, and made them pay in that week one game where everything went right for them. Um, we know with Jameis Winston, he's going to have his ups and downs, and that was kind of maybe the, the only doubt Sean Payton had in his mind uh, with picking him as the starter over, over Taysom Hill, but... Yeah, week two was certainly a big down. He's going to face a similar defense this week um, who's coming off destroying poor Zach Wilson. But as you said, uh, a, Shane po- a Sean Payton offense will throw a lot more different looks at, at the Patriots than mm. the Jets did, uh, that's for sure. So if that line sneaks out a little bit further, as you said, I'm keen to play the Saints. I think we're in exactly agreement uh, that the flat three is not quite enough. I think, yeah, that plus three and a half might have been just enough for us to, to tip us both over the edge. But yeah, I think it's a sit out for me as well. Yeah, three and a half, three and a half is a play for me, but uh, not touching the the flat, unfortunately. Uh, I was actually expecting we we've been talking throughout the week and, and I guess preparing for recording this show, and and it's it's stayed pretty static at three flat all week, and I was kind of expecting it to come out to three and a half. To move, or, yeah, or like we saw four. so many just, lines. Yeah, last yeah, week yeah. so many lines moved on us, didn't they? So. Um, yeah, this week's been pretty pretty flat, like you said. It, it's they've yeah. kind of opened and, and stayed the same so far. I, I was kind of hoping that that would come out to three and a half, so it could be a play. But uh, shop around because you might be able to, you know, as as the the week and the weekend progresses, you might be able to find some more value there. But uh, at the flat three, it's a, it's a nothing from both of us, it, it seems. But uh, Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs minus six and a half. The total is fifty five and a half. Another big line. What have you got for us? Yeah, as I touched on briefly uh, a little bit earlier, the Chiefs well and truly burnt me last week, so still a little bit dirty on them, but as did the Chargers, to be honest, in that toss-up game uh, against the Cowboys. But I think Justin Herbert and the offense has enough firepower to keep up with the Chiefs here, and the Chiefs have failed to cover the line in six of their last seven matches, So um, they haven't, but they haven't lost back-to-back games since week five and six of, of 2019, so we know they're pretty good at rebounding. 
that um, with that start, uh, the Chargers could be some value. I mean, on face value, though, the Chargers were disappointing against the suspect Cowboys deed. I only put up 17 points, but not sure that tells the full story. A bunch of a bunch of bad calls on that in that game. 12 penalties, uh, two touchdowns taken away. Herbert still had his 10th career game over 300 yards. And uh, their run defense has been bad, but we know that's not really going to matter against the, the Chiefs here, uh, um, especially now that um, after the fumble of, of Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire, they might be a little bit more prone to, to keep the ball in Paddy's hands and, and for him to throw it. So they might not have as much trust in the, the run game. But, uh, yeah, I like the Chargers here just to do enough to at least get the cover. don't know if they can overcome the Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, I think I think at, um, at the line of six and a half, I think that's tempting enough for me to have a play. Yeah, like, like I've said in the, the first couple of weeks, uh, not touching a, a Chiefs line at any stage um, at the moment until they until they prove consistently that, that they can do it. So in, in that regard, I'm leaning charges at the plus line, just like you, but um, a no play for me, unless that spread gets out to an even seven or more. At seven, it's a play. Six and a half is not quite for me. Um, I do think that there are plenty of points in this one, though, and I, I don't think I need to go into too much detail. You know, we know what these offenses can do with uh, with Pat Mahomes, with Justin Herbert. The Chargers are ranked 20th in DVOA defense. The Chiefs are a woeful 31st. They're dead last in rushing defense as well. Um, and like so we, we know how much talent both sides have on the offensive side of the ball and how heavily the Chargers can lean on running the ball, all those little dump-offs to, to the backs in, in Austin Eckler and, and those guys. So taking advantage of, of the Chiefs' weaknesses there. I think that the Chiefs win, uh, but I do kind of see a 34-31 type scoreline. I think... Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler combine on the ground and in the air. So I'm going the overs, but I am tempted to to go the uh, the Chargers line as well. But I just want to tease that out a little bit more if I can. And yeah, if that comes out to a, a touchdown or more, I'm, I'm playing the Chargers, but six and a half, I'm not. The overs are the play, I think. And uh, you keep an eye on, on Austin Eckler props. I think this is where the Chargers can take advantage of, the, of that weak spot in the, the Chiefs defensive line. And, um, I think this is going to be a really entertaining game to watch, and, and um, this might be another one of those you know, turn red zone off for a while and, and just keep it on uh, on this game and, and just enjoy it because there could be some quality quality offensive football in this one. Yeah, look, that, the the Chiefs' defense have actually given up the most yards in the whole league so far. So, yeah, the, there's points of plenty probably in this game. So the overs are probably a nice play as well, and if you can get the double, if that especially goes out to seven, like you said, it's a, it's a really Really good bet, I think. Yeah, yeah. tasty, tasty double there, actually. But uh, tasty. let's 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 watch that um, let's watch that Chargers line and, and see if we can tease it out. Maybe hope hope a few more get on the Chiefs and uh, we can get an extra half a point or so for the uh, for the Chargers. But uh, Chicago <laughs> at Cleveland, Cleveland minus seven and a half. The total is forty six and a half. What have you got for us? It begins the new era in Chicago. Justin Fields, it's his time. He's taking over the starting quarterback this week. With Andy Dalton injured. So Matt Nagy did say, though, Andy Dalton will be back as starter when he's healthy. But uh, I don't think that'll be the case, especially if Fields show, shows um, that much-needed spark that the Bears need. Uh, he was pretty quiet in that second half when he came on last week as the Bears rode that defense. So well on to you, Nick, in believing in them. They, uh, they only squeaked over the line still by three points. And if not for a broken tackle by Fields to run for a first down uh, late in that game, it could have been a very different story and the Bengals could have had a shot at 
at least tying or if not winning that game. So mm. it's a big ask, though, to come up against that Cleveland D for your first career start. And uh, I think the Browns can make a statement and um, and really um, push the push the envelope there with on their defense, who hasn't who have been a little bit under par in the last in the opening two weeks. I mean, Baker might still be without Odell Beckham, who's uh, still under an injury cloud to return. He hasn't hasn't played since his ACL injury. Uh, Jarvis Landry got injured last week, so uh, if he doesn't play, they'll obviously have to lean on that run game again, which is which has been unbelievable, as we know. And uh, the Bears have been pretty good at stopping the run, though, ranking fifth in the league on defense and against the pass defense. Uh, but I think the um, I think the total points line is a nice play here, and even if even if more so if it sneaks up a bit. But yeah, I'm actually quite happy to be on the unders here at 46 and a half. I think it's going to be um, a similar score line to that one we saw in Chicago last week. That 20 to 17 kind of score line. So um, maybe a little bit higher, 24, 17 kind of score line. So yeah, I, I'm really happy to be on the unders at 46 and a half here. Yeah, I, I agree with you on on a lot of that. Um, I think Cleveland win this, uh, but I can't take them over a, a touchdown with a banged up quarterback. We know that uh, Baker Mayfield's shoulders not 100%. Um, we know, as you mentioned Jarvis Landry, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to miss. So he's their number one target, especially without Odell, and, and we're not sure if, if OBJ is going to play. And even if he does, we you know we haven't really seen him gel in that Cleveland offense yet. So, um, you know, like you've mentioned a few times, that, that Chicago defense probably isn't what it has been in past seasons, but I think they're still pretty solid. They're still a top 10 defense in the league. So I can't take the line or the total yet just because I'm, I'm just not sure on the makeup of that Cleveland offense and, and you know, the unknowns around uh, Justin Fields in, in Chicago still, but I can take Cleveland one to 13 at $2.50. I think there's some value there. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge win to Cleveland. I, I don't think that they win by more than a couple of touchdowns, but um, I do think that they win and, and that one to 13, uh, price at two fifty is uh, is juicy, and I'll be having a, a play on that one. Any uh, any last thoughts on that game? No, look, um, I, th- I think um, it's a it's a get on to the unders for me. But yeah, I don't um, I don't want to play that seven and a half line at all with with either team. So yeah, just happy with the unders at this stage. Yep, very fair, very fair. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh minus four and a half. The total is forty four and a half. For all those AFL fans. You know, Damien Barrett does his weekly sliding doors segment on uh, afl.com.au. Yep. For me, it comes down to this. It's as, it's as simple as this, like uh, Purple says on his uh, <laughs> in his article. If TJ Watt plays, then the Steelers minus four and a half is the play. We know that TJ Watt runs this defense in, in Pittsburgh. He allows guys like Melvin Ingram, Cam Hayward to shine in their own right, and they're both quality players. But what what TJ Watt does is that he takes all the pressure off them and, and allows them to do their thing. With he, Without him, and we saw it a bit in, in week two, Ingram and Hayward just might not be able to create enough pressure on Joey Burrow. And we know how weak the uh, the Bengals' O-line is. They've allowed nine sacks through two weeks. Um I just don't know if without TJ Watt, they can disrupt that really talented Bengals offense between Burrow and Chase and uh, uh, Tyler Boyd and and uh, you know they've got a, a few other guys, Joe Mixon obviously. Um, there's plenty of talent on the, on that offense in Cincinnati, and I just think that TJ Watt is is the key to the the Pittsburgh defense kind of taking full advantage um, 
of that that capability. At, at the moment, it sounds like what is going to suit up, but I'm going to be waiting closer to uh, to kick off before I, I play on this one. Like I said, if what plays, then minus four and a half on the Steelers is the play for me, but otherwise it's a no play, and it's a wait and see on this one for me. How about you, mate? I'm just impressed. You got a purple reference into the into the show. So well, we had we had Eddie McGuire last week. We've yeah. got Damian Barrett this week. So we get a Disney Channel line. Yeah, it might be a Brayshaw one next week. But yeah, the Steelers showed me last week that the question marks that I had them had on them at the start of the season, uh, despite that those plethora plethora of weapons on offense, they, they just couldn't get it humming at all against the Raiders of all teams. So yeah, with TJ Watt watching on from the sidelines uh, on the defense for. Majority of the game, uh, the, that defense, sorry, was unable to stop a very impressive Derek Carr. So, yeah, I can't see them dropping back-to-back games at, at Heinz Field at home. But we know, as we saw last week, the Bengals are still a work in progress. So, uh, to me, it points to a Pittsburgh win. And like you said, it's it's probably a play if TJ plays. But uh, big question mark. And, yeah, just not sure about Big Ben. I know he's carrying a bit of a peck injury at the moment as well. So, yeah, no mm. play for me. But... Uh, can easily see the Steelers winning big as well. So it's one of those things. But, yeah, no play for me. We'll see how many uh, AFL commentary whizzes we can get in, <laughs> into this show at least. Maybe not next week, but may- this might be our last one. We'll see how we go. Um, at- <laughs> Atlanta at the New York Giants. The Giants minus three. The total is 48 and a half. Do you want to kick us off? Oh, mate, I'd love to just say pass. It's an absolute awful game. Not for me. Um uh, in saying that, though, if the same Daniel Jones shows up uh, as he did last week, they win and win easily, I think, the Giants. But, yeah, no trust in, <laughs> trust in Daniel Jones that that happens. So, yeah, it's a no, no thank you and uh, uh, a turn off, even on red zone. Just flick it off. <laughs> don't Somehow, just don't watch it. <laughs> just turn around. Cover your eyes. Yeah, turn around. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I just I just don't think the Giants are that good. And, and we know that they're not very good, but I just don't even think that they're anywhere near it. I, I don't think that the Giants should be three-point favourites over just about anyone in the league at the moment, but I understand why they are this week, and uh, and maybe the books are right again. They so often are. We, we know that the books are, are, are so often spot on, and maybe this time next week I'll have egg on my face again, as I have over the last few weeks, but this game, in my opinion, should be pick em. I, I think that this should be a, you know, a half a point, a, a, an even an even Stevens game. Um, and that, to me, means that there's value on the Falcons. And so I'm going to have a little play on Atlanta straight up, the Atlanta money line. Um, I'm going to be on the Atlanta plus three. Uh, but boy, oh boy, wowee, there's some Brian Taylor for you. I just uh, can't imagine sitting down and watch this game at all. Uh, I will have a play on it, but I can't see myself watching it. Not uh, not even one second. And like you said, if it comes up on uh, on red zone, I might just cover the eyes. We'll uh, we'll see how we go. Eagle uh, Bristle, well done. <laughs> boy, oh boy, wow, we. Uh, Miami at Las Vegas. The Raiders minus three and a half. The total is forty five and a half. And I think we're on opposite sides of this one, mate. The uh, DVOA says that despite the Raiders being two and zip, they actually aren't that good. They're not that efficient on offense or defense. They're ranked just around or just below league average on both sides of the ball. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means that they've been closer to the mark. Um, they've been closer to, to losing those games and potentially the scoreline has said. 
Miami are ranked seven defending the pass, and we know that uh, Derek Carr is slinging it at the moment. You can get Miami at, at four, at, at a line of plus four at some books, so shop around and, and see what sort of value you can find. But without Tua, and I don't, I'm pretty sure Tua's not going to play, Jacoby Brissett is experienced enough to step in. Um, this is a play for Miami, for mine, and, and I'm taking three and a half. Um, if it gets down to flat three, probably not a play, but um, part of me says that I, I might even have a little play at, at the Miami money line as well. But three and a half or four or more is a play for me. How about you, mate? Yeah, we'll go head-to-head this week. And I know um, that backfired uh, in week one when I went Bills and you went Steelers. But, yeah, it's a very interesting <laughs> matchup for me, and it'll tell us a lot about both teams probably. But, yeah, Tua won't play. Jacoby Brissett will definitely start this week. But... Um, as you said, the DVOA doesn't rate the Raiders, but I think the eye test says that they're definitely definitely a playoff contender. I think they, they looked really, really sharp in the first two weeks. Um, they've defeated two playoff teams from last season. That defense I, I mentioned earlier seems to be holding up okay. Uh, if they continue to rank in the middle of the road where they are right now, then I think they've got enough uh, you know, firepower on offense to carry them through. And I think they come back home here and, and improve the 3-0. Um, as we just mentioned, yeah, two is out. Brissett's going to play. He does have enough experience. He's he's had um you know the starting job in Indy for a couple of years. He he did a decent job there, but just I don't think he can do a def- uh be enough to keep up with Derek Carr and the red hot Raiders at the moment. So I think the Raiders at minus three and a half um, at the moment is currently enough to have a small player. So I'll be siding with them. So we'll go head to head once again, mate. Yeah, at least one of us will be right. Always fun. At least, at least we'll we'll get a win on the board at some level. <laughs> but uh, different iterations of, of this show over the years have had, um, you know, man versus machine type bets and that sort of stuff. And I think this week we've got data versus vision. We've got the uh, the data from yeah. football outsiders, and then we've got the eye test, like you mentioned. And and like you said, certain parts of the game, uh, the Raiders are, are looking pretty good. But um, I guess we'll see this time next week. We'll uh, we'll have to make that a, a bit of a talking point. But uh, the Jets at Denver. And the Denver, another one of the uh, talking points earlier in the show, uh, surprising team at two and zip. Denver, minus 10.5. The total is 41.5. You want to kick us off for this one? Yeah, another undefeated AFC West team uh, here in the Denver Broncos. But uh, absolutely brutal for them to lose Bradley Chubb to an ankle injury that'll keep him sidelined for at least uh, seven to eight weeks. So he just had surgery on his ankle there. Um, and, you know, over the on the weekend, it was actually the first time since week four of 2019 where um, their two best pass rushers played together. So that's when Bradley Chubb tore his ACL. So um, it's the only time Von Miller and him have been on the field together, or the last time they've been on the field together, I should say. So um, as we know, Von Miller missed all of last season. So... They've been notorious fast starters, the Broncos. Um, they're 2-0 for the seventh time in the past nine seasons. So this is where we've seen them kind of fall away and, and kind of only eke out another four or five wins for the year. But it's been impressive um, just as much on their defense as, as it has been on their offense. And um, Teddy Bridgewater is fitting in really nicely uh, in Denver. He's had a sneakily amazing start to the season, actually. So he actually became only the fourth player in NFL history to open a season with consecutive games in which he had two touchdown passes, no interceptions, and completed 75% of his passes. So he's joined some pretty elite company in Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Jeff George, the only three that have ever done that. So some pretty good company there, and he could even uh, keep them, that streak going here. But it's not a game I want to bet in and that du- double-digit line, but I can see why you're keen, mate. 
Yeah, it was shattering for, for the Broncos to lose Chubb, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think when you put those two together, the, the options on defense are just almost unlimited. Um, but, you know, they've won on the road twice. And, and I know it's only the Giants and Jacksonville, as, as we've spoken about a number of times. But you can only beat who's in front of you. Um, and I think that their opponents this week in the Jets are, are probably in that same conversation as to, you know, the, the quality or overall quality um, of their squad. And, and like you mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater is taking care of the ball. You know, he's he's hitting targets, he's scoring points. Um, and it makes you wonder, I guess, where you could see the Saints with uh, with Teddy Bridgewater as their starting QB uh, instead of, you know, some of the combinations that we saw last year and, uh, and obviously Jameis Winston this year. But just quietly, the Broncos are ranked in the top 10 for both DVOA defense and offense and have covered the spread in their last six home openers. Um, Speaking about their offense, and I think that they look like a completely different franchise with with Teddy. They're ranked fourth for passing offense, and on the flip side, New York are ranked thirtieth for passing defense. So keep an eye on Teddy Bridgewater props as as they come up. And an interesting one to note is that the Jets concede seven pass attempts and forty seven yards adjusted to tight ends, and they haven't really played any decent tight ends so far this season. So look at Noah Fant, and this could be kind of Noah Fant's breakout game this season for uh, for the Broncos. The Jets got hosed by the Pats last week and simply outplayed by the Panthers, who we've spoken about already about how impressive they've been so far. Um, but Zach Wilson will have learnt a lot in his two games. Uh, but I have this kind of a 31-14 type game in Denver. I think that I think that they can put up a couple of scores, uh, but I'm not sure that they can get close to Denver in their current form. So I'm going to have a little double at the double. Denver minus 10.5. I think they win by two touchdowns plus, um, and over 41.5 is the play for me. Any final thoughts on this one? No, not for me, mate. I can see why you you tend to play the Broncos, but um, not one I'm overly keen on. Very good, very good. Tampa Bay at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams plus one and a half. The total is 55. Game of the week, undoubtedly game of the week. No bet for me, but this game is so good. Another one that you could just kind of switch off red zone and just just watch this start to finish. Um, can't wait to watch it. No play for me, but I think you've got something here, do you? Yeah, I'll probably sit here and watch this game uh, from start to finish and have red zone on another little device somewhere and have quite a second eye on that. But yeah, unbelievable game and, and definitely the game of the week, as you said. Um, very good friend of mine who's listing out in Dubbo all the way out there. Shout out to UGB. He's absolutely loving the overs in this one. He couldn't wait to text me and tell me about this. So he knows it's an average and we both know it's an average of two touchdowns per quarter to cover 55, but um, it's absolutely within reach uh, for these two teams. So uh, he also loves Gronk anytime and believes it's the safest bet in football. So it's pretty hard to argue <laughs> with him after the first two weeks. So I'll follow my man in here and perhaps play a, a same game multi or something with some overs, Gronk anytime and throw in a few other props. But eight of the last nine Rams, eight of the last nine Rams home games have gone under the total match points line. Uh, so I know that goes against what I've just said with, um, <laughs> with Gav and his over prediction, but I'm going to stick with Gav and, and go the overs. And I think the real play, though, for me is the the Bucks uh, to win or to cover, um, and maybe a double at the double there. So Tampa Bay minus one and a half into over fifty five, and uh, I think the Bucks get it done. Um, the Rams, while they've looked awesome the first two weeks, there was enough for me there last week, showing a little bit of um, uh, some holes in, in that uh, in that team. But 
yeah, the Bucks have looked incredible and, and the team to beat again. Um, although Antonio Brown is on the COVID list this week, so he won't play. Uh, so it's a big out. And he's certainly become, if not Brady's favourite receiver, definitely um, he's one of his favourite too. Um, the other being his main man, Gronk. But, um, yeah, I think Antonio Brown out, um, it doesn't limit the Bucks too much because they've got those um, that, those options at wide receiver with Godwin and and uh, Mike Evans, of course, as well. So, yeah, plenty of options for Brady still, and I think the Bucs get it done, and, and the line there at minus one and a half is enough for me to play. Yeah, plenty of options on both both offences. They're both top <clears> five <throat> top five offences at the moment, both top 12 defences. So really interesting to see uh, which uh, which side comes out on top. And uh, so some of us have mates that, that swear – swear on overs or swear on unders each, each week. And normally with those guys, it tends to happen to be the opposite. Whenever they swear, it happens to be the opposite. So I don't know what uh, what GB is like. Maybe you can give us some insight into what, what he's like on the overs and unders. Oh, Gav, he's, he's a sick, he's a degenerate. But um, he he's, um, to be honest, he's a bit of a tinner. So I'll back him in. Um, he he kind of gets lucky with these things sometimes. So I'll back him in and, and play the overs and, and even make it one of my best because I've so much I believe I've got new Gav. So I'll um yeah, I'll play the overs and, and enjoy um a shootout, hopefully. There you go. Well if it if it ends up under then uh, we know who to blame for that. We know one. who to blame, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of overs, Seattle at Minnesota, Minnesota plus one and a half. The total is fifty five and a half. The Cardinals and Vikings went for sixty seven points. Last week, I can see this one going a similar way. The Vikings can impact. Definitely, the Vikings can can impact against the Seattle defense. Ranked 20th against the pass, and you only have to look at Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and they're ranked 25th against passes to running backs. Dalvin Cook loves, loves a catch and run, while the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and uh, uh, Metcalf can definitely put up points against a defense that's ranked 32nd against wide receiver ones and 27th against wide receiver twos. So outside of Jacksonville and Atlanta, this Minnesota secondary is the one that you want to air it out against. So as we said for the first half of last year, hashtag let Russ cook. I'm on the overs all day for this one, and it uh, might be one of my best. It'll, it will probably come back to bite me. We'll end up with a 12-7 game or something, some <laughs> ridiculous result. But uh, no, I think that there could be a lot of points in this one. How about you, mate? Yeah, look, that kind of happened to me in the Philly 49ers game last week, I, I predicted um, the overs and it fell short by about 25 or 30, I think. So, <laughs> it's funny how it the Vikings, um, though, they, they were so oh, so close to a brilliant win last week. Um, very flattering now, flattening, I should say, for them to head back to um, back home with an 0 2 record after a brutal overtime loss and then that loss on a missed field goal. So, their tails will be between the legs, and um, but they definitely showed, showed signs of life last week thanks to a pretty dominant performance by that offensive line. Uh, they protected Kirk Cousins really well. They allowed Dalvin Cook to do his thing, and if they can do that again, they'll definitely be up this up to this game in their to their eyeballs. However, we know how damaging Russell Wills can be on the deep ball. Uh, we want to see him cook. Three of his six, three of his six touchdown passes already incredibly this year have been over sixty yards. So a lot of quarterbacks don't have sixty yard passes in their career, let alone three in the first two weeks. So uh, you should definitely have no problem picking apart that secondary that you've just, um, you know, lambasted. So the Vikes, I think, <laughs> they haven't won a game in September for a couple of years. They've lost six straight. So yeah, I'm happy to play the Seahawks here. Uh, the overs are probably appealing as well, but I, I've actually cited for the bet to be minus one and a half for the Seahawks. 
Interesting, interesting. Don't mind it. I've got a couple of uh, couple of player props for the receivers, as I mentioned before. Justin Jefferson over seventy three and a half receiving yards, dollar eighty eight, and Tyler Lockett over seventy four and a half receiving yards. You mentioned you get that uh, one catch, mate. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And he's in, he's in both my fantasy teams, so I hope that he does because that would be a very good. Result. He's off to a good start for you, then. He is. He's off to a very good start. I've got. Uh, was able to get Tyler Lockett, I think, in the fourth round. Got Amari Cooper in the second round. So my uh, my receivers are pretty set so far. So I'm happy with that. But uh, uh, Amari Amari burnt me this week. I, I actually had him yeah. on the bench in week one when he went off. Oh no! Of course, <laughs> of course oh, he got no. got twenty odd yards last week. Who did, uh, who did you play? Who did you play ahead of him? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Actually, I think I oh who did I play ahead of him? I think I played another running back because he was at my flex. Ah. Well, I've got Godwin okay. and Hopkins as my two. Okay. At the moment. I, yeah, I can't imagine not playing Amari Cooper with uh, with Dak Prescott uh, at any point this year. It doesn't matter. And uh, oh, around, in uh, week one, I just thought, uh, yeah, the Bucks defense would be better than it was, and fair. kind of stopped Dak. But uh, yeah, it didn't <laughs> happen that way, and it, it, that cost me the win. And now sitting at on two, mate. It's uh, back to the drawing board as we discussed before we went on air. But anyway, <laughs> the fun of fantasy, isn't it? The fun yeah. of fantasy. We, anyway, we could do we a whole episode on. on fantasy. Oh, we could do multiple episodes on on fantasy every week, I reckon. But uh, Sunday night football: the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners minus three and a half. The total is forty eight and a half. And this is a huge game, I think, in the in the context of where both of these franchises sit right now and. And I guess where they're both aiming to be at the end of this season. Um, how do you see this one going? Yeah, a huge matchup, as you said. It's a repeat of the 2019 NFC Championship game, and a chance to see where both teams are at, really. And and uh, yeah, it'll be an, it'll really be a great game to watch. Um, glad it's a, a prime time game. Uh, pleasing signs that um, from the 49ers, uh, uh, sorry, from the Packers after they dismantled the Lions in that second half, uh, and they'll need to be. You know, that kind of type of performance again against a quality defense like the Niners. So the 49ers did enough, just enough in Philly last week, but they again have been decimated by injuries, which we let off with the top. They lost their three running backs uh, in the game. However, Elijah Mitchell did return to the field to play in the last quarter, and he's probably the only one likely to play this week. Um, Jamichael Hasty's already been ruled out, and Trey Sermon will need to pass concussion protocols. Um, they might get their cornerback Emmanuel Mosley back as well this week. But, uh, yeah, we know the 49ers haven't had a great run with injuries. Um, in the last eight games between these two teams has been won by the favourite, which is the Niners this week. So that might make me lean towards them. But I actually think the Packers can win, but it's a, it's a no play from me. Um, it's always interesting when you get a, a nice plus at the Packers because we know how good they can be. Um Hard to hard to know where they're at though after just playing the Lions in week two. So yeah, it's a sit out for me and just enjoy the show and and hopefully we see some some good football and and Aaron Rodgers and get back to that um, brilliant best that he was last week. Yeah, I agree with with pretty much all of what you said there, mate. And a huge watch game. I'm, I'm super glad that it's in in prime time. Although maybe one or two that I would have preferred, but. Uh, more than happy to, to watch this one, but it is a sit and watch one. I'm probably leaning slightly to the Packers at the plus line, but I uh, I think I'll sit this one out. It's a no play for me, but some massive breaking news trade in my fantasy football league uh, has just gone down, and I'm trading Robbie Anderson and Devin Singletary for Kareem Hunt and Michael Pittman. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that, just quietly. 
Oh, wow. There you go. I um, Was that um, a fantasy scenario earlier that you tweeted out? I didn't realise that. It was um, yeah. with Terry McLaurin, but you ended up getting something better back. Or not, probably not better, but. Well, this, this Pittman, is different. Pittman's different. looking awesome, man. Pittman's looking really, oh, really man. good. He's a, he's a stud. He's a Sorry, stud. Who, I think you he, got Pittman and Hunt, yeah. I got Pittman and Hunt, and I'm giving up yeah. Robbie Anderson and Singletary. I was really wrapped to draft wow, Robbie Anderson because he was he was uh, very good for me last year, um, and I've had him. I've actually had him a few a few years um, in a row, going back to when he was in New York. But uh, I yeah, think he won that trade on both fronts. Go, but I'm, I'm happy to get Kareem Hunt and uh, and Michael Pittman. I think Michael Pittman's pretty quickly becoming the number one receiver in in Indy. Oh, by far, he's he's looking even awesome. even when Ty a- even when Ty comes back. So yeah, look, I don't know who you traded with, but I think um, if he's listening, I think you've been dudded, mate. I think Nick's <laughs> Nick's done really well there. <laughs> we'll I, see I, how it plays out. But I'm pretty sure he's not listening. Team. But um, look, I'll take it. So <laughs> um, Monday yeah, night nice football. Philadelphia at Dallas, huge, huge, huge game. Dallas minus three and a half. The total is fifty-one and a half. Look, we we know that I don't bet on uh, on the Eagles and the Eagles games, but I can talk about them. and And I've been really impressed with Jalen Hurts. Um, really didn't know what to expect. I wasn't a fan of us drafting him in the first place, but from what I've seen with him, you know, to the the back end of of last season, the first couple of weeks this season. I really think that he can trouble this Dallas defense, uh, but this game ultimately comes down to whether or not the Eagles defense can make stops on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. The Achilles injury to Brand Graham is devastating in that regard. He's only missed one game since 2016, and that's a huge loss to the Eagles defense. Brandon, Bre- Brandon Brooks' injury as well is another big one at guard, and if the rest of the offensive line can hold up and protect Hurts, then that's going to go a long way to ensuring that we can put some points on the board and, and at least stay with the Cowboys' offense that we know is super dynamic, but uh, a no-play for me as always. How about you, mate? Yeah, look, um, I didn't lose faith in the Eagles last week. I thought they were pretty yes, good. I, yes, you did. No, oh, look, maybe a little bit, to be honest. But no, I thought <laughs> they would come out and beat the Niners, make a statement. They didn't do that. Uh, they had a touchdown taken off them that would have given them a... Um, I think it was a 10-0 or a 10-3 lead. Um, and they couldn't convert from that, from that, um, from that ensuing um play and 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 really unravel from there with the Niners scoring back-to-back touchdowns. But I still think they can kind of trouble Dallas here. It's one of those games where if it's got a gut feeling, um, you know, expect the unexpected in this division, as we probably saw last week on Thursday night football with with the Giants and Washington game. All signs kind of pointed to a to a big Washington win, perhaps. And the Giants really served it up to them. And I feel like it's a kind of the same kind of feeling this week with the Eagles. Um, these are the kind of games that help decide the division. So it shapes as a crucial one for both teams. Um, you know, they hung around last week and, and it's not all doom and gloom. I know the injuries hurt, unfortunately. It's a big one with Graham especially. Um, but obviously both teams' season will be alive no matter what the result here. But it's certainly a nice little boost for the winner. And um, it's Dallas's home opener, so they should come out firing and 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 – Predict, uh, projected to get a win, but I just have a sneaky suspicion about the Eagles. Like I said, just a bit of a gut feeling. Uh, I think they can hang around, make it pretty close. So I'll take the three and a half with no confidence at all, just more of a gut, gut feeling. So I'm happy to side with the Eagles at plus three and a half, though. But um, yeah, like I said, no real confidence. But um, I've got a, a bit of an ambitious play for my long shot uh, from this game. So Interesting. Pretty personal. And I know that kind of leads us nicely into our best bets. 
Interesting. Yeah, well, I'll do my best, uh, Charlie Day, go birds, if uh, if the Eagles get up this week. We've, we've actually got a pretty good record against Dallas in Dallas over the last mm, four or five mm. years. So that's, uh, that is promising. But you did jinx us last week getting on the Eagles for the win against the Niners yeah. and uh, flopped Sorry, in that man. regard. But, uh, no, you're right. It does. That is a good segue. I can stop the train, so. <laughs> I think we both can based on our, our, best, <laughs> our best bets so far. This season, but uh, good segue into our our best bets. Do you want to start with the the best, or do you want to start with the lock this week, which is not so much of a lock Let's, as a yeah, bit of a, a, bit of a <laughs> shove shove a bag up against the door so it doesn't open. Pretty much, mate. Now I'll start with my best, and then we can run, we'll run through the lock at the end and and give a good good um, good thoughts. Uh, Tampa for me minus one and a half, Tennessee minus five and a half. And I um, really like the unders in that Cleveland-Chicago game. So under 46 and a half are my three plays. Um, yeah, but it could easily be a few others. So, now, again, going in confident, but um, <laughs> confidence is low, let's say. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think one of the things that we've we've tended to do, and, and this is – I mean, I think this, this goes back years, but you know, we've always had trouble – you're know, turning the, the winning picks into the best three of the of the weekend, and and even you know last week there were there were a couple of uh, a couple of wins, but just didn't make it into the best. So that <clears> hurts <throat> ultimately when we're uh, you know we're, we're tracking and and accountable to those those three bests each week. But I'm going Arizona minus seven and a half, I'm going Miami plus three and a half, and a bit of an, an upset there. And and like I said, I'll, I'll probably have a bit of a a dabble on the Miami money line as well. Um, and Seattle, Minnesota over 55 and a half are, uh, are my three best. I guess our, our lock, there weren't too many that we were on the same page on outside of some some no plays, but I think the only one that we really agreed on was the uh, the Cardinals line, minus seven and a half for the lock. Yeah, happy to take the cards at minus seven and a half. Um, I was pretty bullish on them as well. I just, for some reason, didn't put them in my top three best bets. But yeah, certainly happy to have it as our a lock of the week this week. So let's ride those birds home and, and hope, um, sorry, the, the wrong birds, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of bird. So we'll have, we'll go on the Cardinals and, and hope they can salute for us. They haven't let, well, they have let us down. They've, they're 2-0. Let's make it through with a big win. Yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're due, we're due a win. So we're, uh, we're hoping that that one, that one gets up, but uh, long shots this week. I've got uh, Sam Darnold, anytime touchdown, $7.50. I think there's some value there, as I touched on earlier. And uh, Atlanta Falcons, the underdogs, uh, going them, as I mentioned earlier, going their money line, but also 1 to 13 points at $3 flat. Um, I think there's some value there. How about you for your uh, your long shots? Yeah, mate, you might have convinced me with the Falcons just to, to play them as well as a long shot. But mm. um, for mine, I put uh, the Bucks to win into that over, uh, and we can get actually a bit of a smaller um, – yeah, Sportsbet had a weird, weird line going on. They didn't have the actual line into the overs. They had a few yeah, okay. alternatives. So to get three thirty, though, it's just bucks straight out to win, and over fifty four and a half. So that line dropped by half a point as well. So happy to play that at three thirty, and then the other one uh, for a bit of value. And I'm not confident, but I've just got a feeling. So <laughs> Eagles plus two and a half into the over fifty nine and a half in a in a thirty four thirty one game. Equal way, tasty six fifty. Um, so yeah, we'll play that as a bit of a bit of a throw at the stumps. Tasty. And my player prop, mate, this week. Yeah, I um, I believe in Mark Ingram tomorrow morning. I think uh, the former Heisman Trophy winner can get thirty six yards because I think, like I said, he'll get between fifteen and twenty looks at it. 
So you just need to get three yards per carry, two and a half yards per carry, and we'll get to that line. So I know he's coming up against a pretty stout defense, but um, yeah, I see Davis Mills looking for him just to hand off to a number of times in the early down situation. So give me 15, 20 runs for 35 and a half yards. Yes, please. Yeah, uh, every day. I, I like the concept, but um, I'm riding the, the Panthers D this week, so I'm not going to touch that one. But you, you're welcome to it. I'm going the uh, the Tyler Lockett I am over 74 and a half. Props, mate, so. Well, let's be honest. Where would you get those ones from? <laughs> I, uh, I might have might have thrown you one of those at least. Yeah, in, in week true. one. So we'll look. We'll take it. It's all a bit of fun. But uh, no, look, my my uh, player prop this week is Tyler Lockett. Uh, I've had a couple. I mentioned earlier, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Justin Jefferson as well, but I'm going Tyler Lockett over 74.5 receiving yards at $1.88. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. As always, follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook as well. Jump on and uh, and comment and like and all those sorts of things. Uh, hopefully have some some good stuff and, and some wins on the board for you this week. On Instagram, at NFL Podcast. It's pretty easy to remember. At NFL Podcast, we are a NFL podcast after all. Um, but thanks for thanks for tuning in as always. Jump on Twitter, give us a yell at Nick Splitter and at Ryan Lapore. We'll be back next week with the punt return. Any final thoughts? No, like uh, like you said, Bo, we we love that interaction on Twitter, especially um, and seeing all your questions. And you can you can pot us if you want. You can give us a wrap. Um, any any feedback is always welcome. So please uh, engage with us. We we love it. So it keeps us going for sure. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. See you guys.